0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Ciappelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever.
1: We're on. Are you excited?
2: I am pumped.
1: <laughs> so for everybody that is listening, I always need to make this distinction lately because we started just with audio. I love old school radio, so I always pretend. That's why I'm in black and white, if you're watching the video. But I'm always pretending we are audio only. Truth is, we're also on video, so you already see that I have a guest, obviously, Noel Foy, she's with me. Hi, Noel. how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing wonderful, it's great to see you. Thanks for having me.
1: Very good, and we're gonna fool the people listening We're going to tell them that we're sitting on a cafe in Italy somewhere, just uh, sipping, maybe in a nice piazza in a small village on a hill. And uh, we just met. You tell me what you do. And we just have this conversation. How how nice is to be able to imagine all of that?
2: Absolutely. I spent a lot of my day imagining.
1: (laughs) That's exactly why I went there.
2: Envisioning being in a cafe or in the countryside in Tuscany is not a hard ask at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Plus, you're used, and that's, that's why I went there, you're used to imagine, use your imagination to, to write, to tell stories. And I get all excited when we talk about stories. But the, the story you tell, they have, uh, I think, a, a purpose. They, they're made with the intention to achieve something. And that's something is exactly what we're going to talk about today on top of the kind of book that you write. So first of all, the story is about you. So tell us, all our audience, how, who you are, what you do, and uh, why you write books for kids.
2: Well, in addition to being a children's author, I am also a neuroeducation consultant and I'm an anxiety coach. Um, I'm a mom of four sons, and I'm a grandmother. And what I do is I do one-on-one coaching in anxiety and executive function. And then I do big workshops for schools and organizations and corporations on anxiety, stress management, executive function, growth mindset, resilience, those kinds of topics. And if folks aren't familiar with executive function, that's just a fancy term for A set of skills where we use some cognitive, social, and emotional skills to get stuff done, to be productive, and uh, to get started on a task, to stick with it when it's tough, to make some adjustments when it's not going so well, to keep our emotions in check, and then to complete it, and maybe come back and reflect and see how it went.
1: And isn't that something we all need, especially in our society where we're pooled? constantly our attention is you know like even now before starting the podcast I got like you know one signal working another signal coming to me one from the phone one from the computer and then you need to get stuff done so um, yeah. Yeah, and, you're,
2: and, and, you're kind of like a pilot there you're trying to navigate a lot of different things right
1: how how fitting well, an example I actually had the, the honor to talk to test pilot astronauts, and uh, they always talk about how you need to train yourself so that you can do without thinking. You're, you're so, you know, you're reacting, you know what to do on the on the instant. But in our daily life, we really need some support, I think, sometimes. So uh, what you do is, is incredible.
2: Well, thank you. Uh, it's a really important skill for life, um, for relationships, for doing well in school, for doing well in work. Uh, settings as well. And so, yeah, these are skills we need to teach kids. Um, And some of them need help to learn these skills very explicitly. Some um, aren't born, let's say, kids who have executive function challenges or who have ADHD. They may have more challenges getting started or sticking with things when they're difficult or paying attention. Uh, So some kids can definitely build these skills, but sometimes they just need a little more support.
1: And so he, here we go, and I think we go, will go back into the psychology of all this, but um, l- let's go into the book that actually you wrote two books. One, which is your latest, is Are You a Bird Like Me? And I'm going to say no, but maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there is a trap in that question. And, uh, and, and, and the function of these uh, stories, because I, I always like to say we're all made of stories. I, I, you look back at how that's how knowledge has been transmitted from uh, parents to kids from the history of our society and even before that. So uh, we still need to use those. is isn't in form of books, videos, movies, podcasts, anything. But I have a feeling that the book with a visual has a different meaning to achieve what you're trying to do. so
2: Well, the brain loves visuals, right? So we really learn from our senses. And as a neuroeducation consultant, I spend a lot of time looking at the brain and what can we do to teach in ways that really appeals to the brain. And the brain loves to learn from its senses um, and especially visual. So uh, when we see something, we are going to remember it more than just hearing it. So picture books, uh, illustrations are so powerful. And I'm so grateful to have uh, the wonderful illustrators that have um, brought the stories to life for us. And the pictures are just, you know, really captivating for kids and and for adults.
1: That's amazing. And is it easy for you to transmit what you and vision to the person that is going to then translate it into a visual?
2: It's really a collaborative process. You'll have a vision in your mind of what you would like it to look like. Often the illustrator might have some other suggestions and you develop this sense of trust and collaboration. And sometimes you take some risk and very often they work out really well. And you're just so glad that you pushed each other and challenged each other in those moments because there were times that we went in a different direction with an illustration than we had initially planned. And I'm so glad we did.
1: Yeah, it reminded me the, the the traditional couple relation between the copywriter and the designer in, in old school advertising. Right. I mean, you have to you have to merge the two vision together but tell me tell me more about the book i think that the title is is really intriguing because it's a it's a question are you a bird like me and and i kind of read the the beginning of this the 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 presentation where it's the story of this little bird that discovered an entire new world that didn't know it was there so tell, tell us about that story and and the meaning of it when you translate it to humans and kids what are they so yeah. the
2: story is about this hatchling who falls out of his nest and well, really it's her nest and she's unable to fly. So she sets out to find her parents. And along the way she encounters these creatures who look very different from her. They have different kinds of skills and talents and they befriend her and help her find her way back back to her nest. And it really takes a collaborative effort and some problem solving uh, for them to be able to accomplish that. And the book was really coming from a place of seeing differences, um, not necessarily as dividers, and wanting to promote more kind of cooperation and problem solving together. And knowing that we all play a really important role in doing our part and also knowing that sometimes we need to ask for help and we need to get help from others sometimes to do amazing things. And when we do that, uh, very often we can just achieve uh, so much more than we could have if we just did it ourselves.
1: And there is a ton of amazing lessons for, for kids you know. nowadays. I mean, I, I want to go back, uh, in, uh, in the history of storytelling and, you know, we don't need to go to the beginning of, um, of the story, but people know the the Green brothers and, uh, the classic stories that have been retold to us in, uh, in movies like Disney, you know, all those movies are inspired by the many stories from the past, made it maybe a little less, uh, strong, (laughs) a little less gruesome than what they were originally. But the concept is always to have a moral of the story. There's always, I think, in those stories, a lesson that you, you take from all the adventures that these characters have. So in what you told me about your book, I see a lot of push towards diversity and inclusion, for example, and not be afraid of it. Yeah, it's kind of like what I'm reading through the lines here
2: and and to try new things and to be a little more a little bit more comfortable with uncertainty. Um, A lot of my work is working with folks who are anxious and folks who are anxious don't like uncertainty. And I want my books to have some common threads. And while the ABC Worry Free is more of a teaching tool, which we can talk about in, in a little bit. Um, Both books have some common themes, and it would be facing fears would be one, Uh, perseverance is another, Uh, courage, trying new things, um, accepting help from time to time, and uh, when we do those things, we can really accomplish a lot. Uh, So yes, a lot of facing adversity and challenges, and from my experience, I'm a former classroom teacher and learning specialist. And from my experience going out into classrooms now as a, as a consultant, over the last 10 to 15 years, I've noticed more and more students shutting down. And oops, I'm so sorry, I'm not sure if my headphones just checked out. Can you still hear me okay?
1: Yep, I, I can hear you okay.
2: Okay, um, yeah, it just made a, a funny noise. So <laughs> I'm noticing more and more students zoning out, acting out, and spacing out, and uh, getting frustrated more easily. And a lot of teachers are reporting that they're seeing more behavior issues, and that kids, many kids, are, are shutting down when they're faced with challenges and hard things. So I really want my books to send that message that you can do hard things, and that with some uh, let's say you gotta have a picture in your mind of what doing hard things looks like. What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And through the characters, I, I try to reveal how to do hard things and to push through and, and that it feels pretty great when you do push through those challenges.
1: It kinda reminds me of a of a lion, a teen man and a scarecrow that f- that face their own fear on a yellow brick road.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And when we're scared or anxious, you know, we often have to do the things that scare us. Right. Right. Step in on purpose, be intentional with it. And obviously, kids will need support to do this. Um, and that is really, you know, what will help us overcome um, a lot of that fear. And and it will also give us uh, a reference point that we have been able to push through some hard times and you can kind of remind yourself, okay, I got on that bus, even though it was hard, or I took that test, even though I felt I was, uh, you know, going to throw up, like, whatever it is that scared you, or I got in the elevator, whatever it is, um, that that does make you anxious, the fact that you did it gives you a reference point And that helps build some resilience. Um, and I w- I did want to mention this book, I did co write with my son. And when you were talking about, um, Los Angeles earlier in our discussion, and you were talking about, uh, Wizard of Oz, my <laughs> son apps, well, he lived in LA for a while. Um, and he has been an incredible support. He's, he has a screenwriting background. And when we write the stories, he actually follows like a screenwriting model. Mm. And he loves the Wizard of Oz. So it's, uh, those kind of characters, I'm sure, were in his mind too as as we were working on Are You a Bird Like Me?
1: That's that's really cool. I mean, there is always uh, an inspiration from some other person, an artist's job, which doesn't mean you're copying, but that's how we grow up. That's how we form ourselves. So it's yeah. very natural. And, uh, and I think in the common knowledge, these definitely come out. Uh, I have a question for you that, well, I have many, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this because you teach to uh, adults uh, and you teach to kids, and I, I I'm part of a mentor group as a as a side thing as a volunteer, and we always talk about when you are a mentor, you're also being you're also a mentee. Like you, you're it goes two ways. That's my point, point. and there is parallel mentorship where you do it between other mentors. So my point is you're always learning. And I feel like when, if a parent read this book to his kids or as part of the conversation, I feel like there is a lot to learn um, by adults, by embracing these stories. So is there like a, a point where everything kind of merge and is not just for kids anymore?
2: Well, I honestly feel kids' books are a great and approachable way to talk about difficult topics or talk about complex concepts. Uh, So I see kids' books as being something that I write for kids and adults. I write them for myself. Um, I have an anxiety disorder and I could have used a book like ABC Worry-Free when I was a kid. I write these for kids who are anxious now. I write them for their parents. I write them for the teachers. Who have these kids in classrooms. Um, I write them for business, uh, you know, managers. I work with corporations as well, and they're dealing with some anxious adults. So I am writing it with all those people in mind. I even write these for counselors um, because these can be used with a counselor um, with a one-on-one, but they could use be used in a classroom as well. I wrote these with story structure in mind so that if they let's say an English language arts teacher wants to use this, um, these stories, they all follow you know, story structure and uh, there's some great comprehension questions and talking points. Um, so I, I, I try to do a lot of things um, with these stories and ABC Worry Free, for example, has um, a page in the back of the book that has tips for parents and educators. And there's a lot of do's and don'ts in there of things to say and not say or things to do or not do with anxious kids. And if we're not specifically trained in anxiety, we we often do things in a loving, caring way that actually can make the anxiety worse. And it's not done intentionally. It's just we think that's the kind thing to do and it can actually feed the anxiety. So just a quick example would be, let's say... I didn't want to get on the school bus and my mother said, okay, Noelle, I'm going to drive you to school every day. That seems like a loving, caring thing because I might be having a meltdown at the bus stop and crying mm-hmm. and I will have a short term decrease in anxiety in that situation. Cause I just dodged a bullet. I don't have to get on the bus. Now the next day comes along. If I don't get on the bus again, I don't start to build that skill of facing that challenge. I don't really have a coping skill of how to manage that situation. And then if my mom takes me to school every day in the car, it's gonna, in the long-term, when I have to face a situation like that, it's gonna increase my anxiety instead of decreasing it. So those are some things that I I like to really help parents and teachers understand. You know, Sometimes we might say, oh, you don't have to take the test. and then every time a you know, child has a test, they feel like they can't take the test. We have to give them some support and some coping skills so they can face that challenge. One thing I really like to try to teach kids and their parents is that you can feel a little nervous and move forward at the same time. And a little stress can be good. We don't want too much, right? That can hijack mm. our thinking brain. A little stress can actually increase our alertness, our focus, our performance, so kind of keeping it in the sweet spot is is the challenge.
1: I, I love that because I, I almost feel like if you have to go on a stage and talk or if you have to face a meeting, if you have to even get in a podcast or whatever, I feel like if you don't, if you're not a little bit nervous, you're, you're not doing it right. I don't know. Maybe you're not excited enough. Maybe you're not thinking that it's important. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's that balance. And avoiding that certainly is not the lesson that you want to that you want to give. I mean, you have to get out of your nest eventually yeah. to go back to to, be, to the to the uh, bed to Sky, <laughs> the character. <laughs> um, do you think that um, things are worse now in terms of feeling lost? Kids not wanted to. Face their fears than what it used to be before social media and and you know I I like to talk technology and sociology so I'm sorry I I have to go there (laughs) but because you know every every generation I've always read about it or hear it from grandfathers you know things are not like they used to be it was so much easier so much better before I'm like no it's just different but I can see that the different today is a much bigger than the difference maybe between my parents and my grandparents. I mean, the world has really changed a lot. Yeah. So I'm wondering from your perspective, if it's, if it's just an excuse or is really complicating things for for kids?
2: I think that this, the pace at which technology has changed is definitely playing a role. And when you take that into account with, having to make adjustments to that pace. And, you know, we're trying something new, you know, let's say social media and we're not quite sure how that's gonna impact, let's just focus on young kids right now or teens. And it's kind of like an experiment in a way. And we now know that, you know, the devices are kind of designed to be addictive and that the likes are something people enjoy getting. It gives them that little dopamine boost. Um, even if the like might be for something that's inappropriate. So then that can kind of send a mixed message to that child or teenager. And we know that kids are spending a lot more time in front of screens. Um, And I'm not saying technology's bad by any stretch. It's just how we use it, how often we use it. Uh, We want kids to be moving and outside and having a lot of real face-to-face connections too. Certainly, the pandemic um, put some gasoline on the fire. Anxiety was on the rise prior to the pandemic. And the kids who did pretty well through the pandemic had supported, you know, most of them had some kind of coping skills and had support um, along the way. The kids that have not done as well and the families who haven't done as well. Um, Many of them did not have the support or the coping skills in place. And then the pandemic really put gasoline on the fire. So I do, I can say that I have seen an increase and we have the stats to back it up. There's definitely an increase in anxiety um, and depression. And I definitely see it when I go out to schools in the behaviors of the students and the feedback I get from teachers and counselors just to get to see a counselor. There's there could be like a long waiting list to get in. So I, I have definitely seen changes over the years, especially the last 10, 10 to 12.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I think one of the reasons I that I can see that much more complicated with kids. Obviously their their understanding of the difference between facing someone on zoom or or another online platform as we are conversating now. I mean for me, maybe I'm used to it, but you know yes, we're missing that physical interaction even if we're pretending to be on a cafe and a cafe in Italy. but I think for a kid to distinguish between what is real and what is virtual, what is analog and what is digital, that's some gap that maybe only experience can really, provide so thinking like if you go out and play soccer with your friends or are in a in the field you you face those moments face to face well in when you're online you may have problem but you're still protected physically from from yeah. arm from the environment so I don't know if I'm going too psychological here but you know kind of thinking like that yeah. and no, hard I, to explain to a kid I guess
2: right, right. and I think just developmentally wise that With brain development, you know, say with the social media, that the kids might not have a complete understanding about how to use it in ways that's healthy. You know, what are you looking at? What are you, um, where are you spending your time? And what might you have been doing otherwise, if you weren't doing this, maybe you would have been out taking a bike ride or going fishing with some friends, instead of, Uh, connecting in this way. And like I said, it's not all bad. I think we just have to really be aware of Mm. what kids are doing with it, how often and making sure that they are getting those face-to-face connections and that they're getting out and getting exercise and um, doing other things um, in addition to the screens because so much of their day in school and then their homework is on screens to begin Mm -hmm. with. And then you add video games and social media and the phone. It's a lot.
1: Yeah, and I think it's good if you fall off the bike and you scratch yourself and you know it's not that bad, right? Mm-hmm. You go get back on it again. That's right. right?
2: Yeah, and and a lot of uh, teenagers, this is kind of an interesting, I feel, haven't had the same desire to drive. There's been more teenagers that are resisting getting their license where I don't know how you felt, Marco. I was counting down the days. <laughs> To get oh, yeah. that license. It, that was like a ticket to freedom, you know. I had my bike. Oh, yeah. I love that. Uh, that was another ticket to freedom. The car was a whole nother level. So that's another thing. I, you know, I think there's maybe some anxiety connected to that too, and perhaps we've, you know, we're, we perhaps have been driving kids a lot more too
1: mm-hmm. than
2: than say when I was kid a kid. Um, I would probably just hop on my bike, and no. times now parents are driving their kids to school or driving no. them uh, to a friend's house or sports, what have you. So perhaps we've been doing so much of the driving that the kids have become accustomed, um, and perhaps there's some kids feeling more anxious that mm-hmm. getting into a car could feel like a threatening uh, kind of situation for them, and they're they're holding off.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I heard stories um, even on psychology today about, you know, kind of like pampering too much, right? You know, you have to kind of throw kids out there in certain limit, but, you know, they face the world. Bef- I mean, we can keep talking about this, but I want to go back to the book and the storytelling because can a story and a book, I mean, a good movie create that kind of a experience that even if it's not real can fill some of these gaps so the let's talk about the real power of storytelling here compared with you know being online but can the good the right story i'm not gonna say substitute reality i'm not, not meaning that at all but can it help to project a kids into into reality i mean can it be felt real
2: I like to think so. When I go into classrooms, and I see kids, um, let's say, take Are You a Bird Like Me? And I read the book. And then I, I see their faces when they look at the pictures. And I hear them giggling when I uh, talk about Nutso. Nutso is one of the characters. He's a, ch- he's a squirrel.
1: Nutso? And- <laughs> <Not> I <laughs> love it. I have squirrels in the garden here and they are definitely not so.
2: (laughs) They're driving you nuts?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and they are not so. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So when I just say his name, it's just so fun to see. Yeah, I love that. And they really, really identify with these characters. And I feel like I was saying earlier, I tend to write about anxiety or facing challenges. And I want to be able to start those conversations. And I feel these books are a way for us to start doing that, as well as problem solve. I really like to promote problem solving in kids. And I feel like these books could be a great way before you start a project. Let's talk about how these characters work together to reach a goal. And so I think it helps when kids have a picture in their mind, well, what does it look like to have a challenge and what challenges did they face? Uh, What did it sound like? What did they say to themselves um, when things got hard? What did it feel like and how did they resolve things? And so I think to have some models um, can be helpful even if they're fictional characters. I, I find them to be very relatable And I feel they're inspiring as well because the kids, I think, get a sense of hope that there's a a path forward. There's a way that I can approach the challenge and maybe I can ask for help. Maybe I can talk to a friend. Um, Maybe I can collaborate. Maybe I need to work a little harder myself. We can pick up some clues from the characters and try to transfer some of those traits into our life as well. So I think they make for great discussions mm. uh, about problem solving and facing fears, what scares you, and what strategies do you have in your toolbox that helps you push through challenging times?
1: Yeah, and also to, to do it, we – Animals that are not the same species. You are as human. We are all different, and we all should work together. And uh, because resolving problem, it's definitely you know easier if you have more brains to to think together. So that's a big lesson there as well. Um, How do how do you translate this when you do your consulting? um, I don't know to sea level. Business professional. I'm a big fan of metaphors because metaphors are stories and storytelling can work with everyone. But of course, I'm guessing you're not going there with a the little bird that fell off the nest, or do you?
2: Well, so book, <laughs> ABC Worry Free, uh, the first book is more of a teaching tool. And that book is about this little boy who gets stung by a bee and then he decides he's never going to go outside again. So when people get anxious, they tend to show certain patterns. Like one is avoidance. Uh, one is they go to catastrophic thinking. Um, another is they might get very inflexible or rigid. Uh, they get very much in their head and they sometimes think that change can't happen. Right. I'm always going to be this way. So I can use the metaphor of the bees nest with, you know, with adults that, well, what's your bees nest? Right. We all have something that we might be afraid of or something that's getting in our way. Um, There might be a challenge or obstacle. What's your bee's nest? So that's something that's very transferable. And in that particular book, I wanted to have a transferable, actionable strategy. So there's a strategy the character learns called the ABC trick, and it has three steps. Um, accept how you feel breathe slow and deep and change your thinking and that's a strategy that you can use with kids and adults I've used it with kids as young as four and I my oldest student that I work with right now is probably 66 somewhere around mm-hmm. there but it's applicable to kids and adults
1: It's it's a big lesson there I mean you know so we're still kids at heart. I yeah. mean, we're driven by maybe the same fear, the same excitement. We just want to hide it. I don't know. You know, why not? Why not to be kids?
2: <laughs> and, and like you were saying earlier, you know that there's times where the student becomes the teacher, and the teacher becomes the student. And I love being a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. and I want to model to my own kids, to my granddaughter, and to the kids and the adults I work with. Um, as somebody who has an anxiety disorder, who has performance fear, I'm going to get out here and I'm going to do this. And I want to give you hope that you can do it too.
1: That's a great message to to get towards the end of this. But before we get there, I'm going to ask you the last question, because I love to time travel. Uh, often we artificial intelligence and technology and dystopia utopia scenarios in your case. I'm not going to put you in that, in that corner, but I'm going to ask you if you have another book in your, in your head. And, uh, is there a plan there for something new?
2: Yes. So the next book is another book that is going to deal with facing fears, uh, overcoming obstacles, um, persevering, having that courage to get through something difficult. And I am also writing that with my son, uh, Nicholas. And the title we have planned right now is Jumping Jack. And it's about a, a little boy who loves to jump, jumps everywhere, off everything. Um, until there's one day where he has to jump. I'm not going to give you too much detail. No, um,
1: don't gear it up.
2: Yes, and all this time he's been wearing his superhero costume underneath mm. his school clothes, and he's under the belief that if he wears that, he can do the jumping. But if he doesn't wear that, that mm. he's not able to do it. Um, so there's comes a day where he doesn't have the shirt on, and he needs to make this big jump, and he he feels he mm. can't do it, um, mm. and then he learns. A little problem solving, and he figures out how to push push through that. So that's that's right. the one in the queue.
1: I like it, and and I see a pattern there. In something happened, and then then what else? What can you do? What, how you overcome that? I mean, you have the bee sting in the first one. You have you have falling off the nest on the second, and now you have you know a jumping uh, jumping jack flash issue there. <laughs> yep. I love it. Well, listen, I, I really enjoy this conversation and, uh, and we can go in a lot of different direction because, of course, I feel, again, it's a book and it's a, it's a topic that it re- literally is for everyone. Either you're a your parent, you're a teacher, you're a kid, and you are somebody that manage a team, a leader. I mean, it, it, it's not about, it's about empathy, it's about understanding and maybe find a way to communicate with different people. Right, adopt a story to, to get through. I guess.
2: Yes, yes, and and um, combining our unique talents together to produce something wonderful, I think is a great lesson. And um, there's a little quote I put at the back of the book, where I say, "Sometimes we need others to take us under their wings so we can spread our own." I was that kid that. Even though I was an anxious kid, I didn't accept help very well. Mm-hmm. And some kids think of that as a weakness. And I wanted folks to also know, like, why, while we all have to do our part and really take ownership of our responsibilities, there are sometimes we need a little help from others too. And that that not be looked at as a weakness.
1: And that's a perfect uh, message to end our conversation and. And leave our table with the coffee already <laughs> finished and go for a walk and uh and think about all the things walk that we've said.
2: it was outstanding. Uh,
1: there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> idea. But listen, a lot of things to, to think about, not just for me that I truly enjoy this conversation, but also I hope for our audience. My main goal, I like to remember and remind that is that. We're not trying to give answers. I never try. I, I try to let you finish this conversation and, and with more questions than when you started to listen to a podcast because then you're really thinking, and from thinking can, can come action as well. And I think there's a lot to, to think about from this conversation. So, Noel, it was a pleasure to have you on, and uh, we, there'll be notes and links to your website to your book to your social media everything that you share with us it will be in the podcast notes and so i invite everybody to stay tuned subscribe share share this this is a great story to share with your family and friends and and other people around you and um stay tuned and we'll catch you next time noel thank you again
2: so much i loved it It was a lot of fun
1: cool all right (laughs) bye bye everybody bye
0: and society, and some even beyond that.